I'm going to read from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 to 16, and verses 22 to 27. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death, or mourning, or crying, or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the vile, the murderers, the sexually immoral, those who practice magic arts, the idolaters, and all liars, they will be consigned to the fiery lake of burning sulfur. This is the second death. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the seven last plagues came and said to me, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God, and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. On the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked with me had a measuring rod of gold to measure the city its gates and its walls. The city was laid out like a square, as long as it was wide. He measured the city with the rod and found it to be 12,000 stadia in length and as wide and as high as it is long. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light, and the Lamb its lamp. 
The nations will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut, for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Nothing impure will ever enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life.
Our celebration of Christmas is, in a way, on fire. But here's the thing about fire. It's destructive. It makes things less than before. It's painful. But fire is also a biblical symbol for God's presence. Whether it's Abraham, we have a few pictures here. Whether it's Abraham in Genesis 15, encountering God in a smoking fire pot, as God passes through these animals that have been torn apart to make a covenant, a commitment to Abraham, swearing on his life that his promises will come true. The moment that the God who cannot die swore on his life that his promises would come true, he revealed himself with fire. And then the story that we're all familiar with next, in Exodus chapter 3, Moses encounters God in a burning bush. The fire catches to, or takes, on, takes over the bush, but the bush does not burn up. And God actually speaks to Moses from the midst of the fire. And next we see from Oh, I'm sorry, that's so blurry. From Exodus and Numbers, this pillar of fire that God's people followed around through the desert, through the wilderness, showing his presence and guidance and providence with them always. And then, once the tabernacle had been constructed, it would rest above the tabernacle. Can you imagine? Fire is always... In, in the Bible, fire is often a symbol of God's presence. And then one more story where fire is such a symbol of God's presence is Acts chapter 2 in Pentecost, when tongues of fire descend upon the believers to show that the Holy Spirit has come to dwell within them. Fire comes upon them to show that God himself is present in the midst of them, within them, in their very Hearts. And so while fire can ruin and destroy, it can also purify and refine. My hope for us this season is that in the midst of Christmas being on fire, we will be able to connect with God in new and powerful ways. That rather than being overwhelmed by the chaos, we'll be able to find Him in the midst of it. And instead of our celebration of Christmas being more empty than usual, that that emptiness might make a, a space for us to encounter him in a new and powerful way. So with that said, let's talk about how we can find peace in the midst of the fire. In the Bible, peace means more than just the absence of conflict. Peace is when everything is the way that it's supposed to be. Like when a joint pops back into place. Or when you have guests over and you make exactly the right amount of food. Or when you go somewhere for a meal, to order a meal, and everything is exactly the way you wanted it. When everything is the way it's supposed to be. That's what peace means in Scripture. And if we're going to have peace while Christmas is on fire, we're going to have to take our focus off of the things that they tend to fall on during the Christmas or Advent season. Or, sorry, 
And we're going to have to rest our focus on Jesus. Because even if every other precious thing about this holiday season is different, even if all of our traditions, all of our practices, even if all of them change, Jesus will still be the same. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So, even if we never hear that favorite Christmas song, or even if we can't get all of our Christmas decorations up, the decorating committee did a wonderful job of getting those Christmas decorations up, or if your family can't get together, even if you have COVID and have to isolate on Christmas Day, I just have this feeling that some of us will be in that boat exactly, and that's going to be just so hard. Or even if this is your first Christmas without someone, or your last one with them, even in the midst of the hardest things, Jesus is there. Jesus is the same. And he's here in the midst of the fire, ready to meet with us. So let's dive into Revelation 21, verses 1 and 2. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. The book of Revelation is written by the Apostle John through from a series of visions he has while he's in exile on the island of Patmos. And through Revelation, he has seen just remarkable, incredible things. And here in chapter 21, near the end of the book, he sees this incredible vision, this fulfillment of the promises God has made to his people. And he writes them down for us, a new heaven and a new earth. We could preach for a month out of just these two verses. It kills me to pass over so much, but I want to focus here this morning on the promise of something new. Have you ever had something happen that changed everything? That altered every aspect of your life? Where you said to yourself, this is new, and you realize a whole new world had opened up before you. For me, one of those events that changed everything was getting married. I think that's true for a lot of people who are married. I remember coming home after our honeymoon and beginning the process of living together in this little 700-square-foot house in Lincoln, Illinois. And it was weird, and it was wonderful, and it was completely new. There was this other person whose life had been tied together with mine as we stood before God who wasn't going to go anywhere. Like, she was never going to go home, because we were home, and that was so, so different. And sure, there were annoyances. All of a sudden, it was a big deal if my clothes were lying around in the bathroom, or the living room, or the kitchen. Or, or, or I was supposed to check in if I was going to make plans to be away for an entire week and just hanging out with my friends. And all of a sudden there was this person who expected me to be responsible and who didn't believe that buying a new $500 video game console was an essential expense. I put her through a lot, you guys. 
But none of that compared to the amazing, sweet newness of marriage. Here, 11 and a half years later, I can truly and honestly say that my life is better, richer, fuller than it ever could have been without it. Marriage is full of newness. I think that's why the Apostle John talks about heaven and earth coming together as a husband and wife coming together. Because when they do, everything is different. Everything changes. Now, I don't want to belittle what John is saying here. The transformation, the newness of new creation is so much richer than the newness that comes from marriage. But marriage is the symbol or the signpost that John chooses to point toward a much greater reality. It's like he's saying, you know that sweet newness of marriage? It's going to be like that, just much, much more so. Moving on in verses 3 and 4. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. Here is the promise of all of Scripture. The promise that first erupts into the world with Christmas and is moved forward by Easter and Pentecost. The promise of renewal. We've just been through a series on the book of Genesis. You might remember that all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, after the sin and as the fall was happening, as the deceitful serpent completed his evil work, that God promised to send a serpent stumper. Someone who would overcome the evil one. But not just overcome the evil one himself. First John chapter 4 verse 8 tells us that this one that would come would also destroy the works of the evil one. And it's here in Revelation 21 that we see the fulfillment of that promise. The relationship that God always desired to have with us. The life that God always intended for us to eternally know and delight in Him and to do His work. A life without death or mourning or crying or pain. A life where our loved ones are returned to us and every relationship we make lasts forever is eternal. A world without loss. In other words, it's the promise of a perfect peace when everything is the way it's supposed to be. Now that's the peace promised in Revelation 21. But our sermon today is about how we can have that peace now. You might be wondering, what does Revelation 21 and new creation have to do with a Christmas that's on fire? There's a verse that I want to pull, I want to, I want to share with you from a chapter that's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, in the New Testament. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I know I've shared this before, but if ever you're, you're doing devotions or you want to do devotions and you're not sure where to read, 2 Corinthians 5 is a great chapter. 
to read because everything's there. The gospel is there. The promise of our future is there. The calling God gives to us is there. It's just full. And 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Here's what this means. If you are a Christian, if you have accepted Christ as Lord and Savior, then you're already part of the new creation. You've left the stolen kingdom of death and become a citizen in the kingdom of God. You're adopted into God's family. You're saved from the eternal consequences of sin and death. And you're saved to the unending, delightful life of heaven. This isn't something that we have to wait for. This is true of us now. The incredible promise of Revelation 21 is that the new heaven and new earth will come together. And that's already happening inside of us. Remember the picture from Acts 2, when the Holy Spirit comes and rests within us, heaven and earth interlock. We are a place, a point of new creation. We get to live out, experience the blessings. Now, not fully, of course, not fully, but we get to live this heavenly, heavenly God-filled life now. Our eternal life has already begun. So, how can I experience this peace? I have four things I want to share with you, four ways that I want you to think about experiencing this peace during that Christmas season, the Advent season that's on fire. The first one is this, it's not wrong to be sad. One of the biggest mistakes we can make, I'm so glad we're doing the lament prayers, one of the biggest mistakes we can make is go before God and pretend. And what's crazy is we do it. We know he knows, and yet we find ourselves stepping before the throne room, the throne of God, and pretending. And the pain, the loss, the frustration or hurt that all of us are experiencing in one way or another this year is not something we should hide from our time with God. We're called to hug it, embrace the pain and the sadness, and take it with us as we stand before the throne and let God speak into it. You will be amazed at the difference it makes if you will bring your brokenness with you when you go to God and you say, Lord, I know it's small, but I'm not going to be able to see my parents this year for Christmas, and I'm just so heartbroken. You don't have to pretend. It's okay for you to go before and say, God, we've had this tradition for 30 years and we've never not done it. And this year, because of COVID, we're not going to be able to, and it hurts. Whatever the pain, struggle, sadness, or loss is, take it with you as you speak to God. Let Him give you the balm of healing. Let him soothe and speak into your hurt. And if you feel like you can't find peace because of all that's going on and set your heart on Christmas, then number two, I want to encourage you 
to make this season a time of intentional worship. Make this season a time of intentional worship. Of course, this is something we should always do. We've said many times we want to encourage you to have a regular practice of devotions. That's very good and healthy for your spiritual life. It is most important during times of hardship. Make sure, if you do not have a regular practice, please begin one. Start small. And if you're having a hard time setting your heart on Christmas, then drop whatever you're doing for your reading. Or take 15 minutes earlier in the morning and spend some time in a gospel. Open up the Gospel of Luke and just spend time with Jesus every morning. Hear me. You have no idea the difference Spending time with the Lord can make, and during Advent is a particularly good time to spend that time with Jesus. It's best if you make a regular time for devotions, but if you already have that, and God still feels far away, you can't get your heart set on Christmas, then I want to encourage you, if you're following our reading plan, or you're doing your own thing, this is a good time to pause it and spend your time in those nativity stories. Matthew and Luke, and just take in the promise of Jesus. I think you'll be amazed at the difference it can make. The third thing I want to suggest for a way to find peace during a Christmas season that's on fire is to look for blessings. You see, we talked about how fire is a symbol for God's presence. He is here and he is working. Any time in our life where he seems far away, that is our issue, not his. God is always near and always working. The trouble is we get distracted so easily and we forget to look for him. The word says that every blessing comes from him. And so if you are struggling to find peace, Ask him for eyes to see each and every blessing being sent. And when you see it, thank him for it. Cultivate a heart of thankfulness so that even in the midst of the trials and struggles, you will find yourself able to come before God grateful. And with a heart of thanksgiving, with a heart of gratitude, it is much easier to connect with him and to set your heart on Jesus. And last, every time you encounter a disappointment, every time you're overwhelmed, every time the busyness or stress of Christmas takes your heart's focus off of the Lord, remember the story that you're part of. Remember Revelation 21. Remember how all of this is going to end. One day we will be with him in a renewed creation. A new heaven and a new earth. Able to run up to Jesus, the one who has walked by us through every struggle and trial of our life and embrace him in a hug. There will be no need to social distance in heaven. We will be able to hug, embrace Share our affection and love to see him in the flesh 
and say, thank you, Jesus. I find it is a tremendous comfort, a tremendous help to set my mind there. The time when Christmas will be a forever reality because Jesus will always be with us. When I connect to the future God has promised, I find peace in the present, no matter what I'm going through. I want to read these, these next three verses of Revelation 21. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, it is done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water without cost from the spring of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. We have a God who is able to fulfill his promises. We have a God whose desire is to give us life and life forever. One day when we are there and we look back at the hardships that we've experienced in this life, whether they are small or great, whether they're the only thing we're able to think about or we've forgotten about them, we will understand that during the midst, in the midst of each of them, he was there changing us, forming us, helping us, making us ready for this new world that we would be part of, that we're being prepared for. And if we can really grab hold of that, the future hope will find peace comes easy in the present. Pray with me. Father God, we come before you thankful for blessings. Lord, it is hard to feel at peace like everything is the way it's supposed to be when so many things clearly aren't. But Lord, we ask for your help to help us to set our hearts on you on the promises you've given us, on who you are and who we are in you. Because you, Lord, do not change. You, Lord, will never abandon us. You will never leave us or forsake us. And when our hearts truly rest on you, we can find peace. Because that is how it's supposed to be. Help us, Lord. When our, our attention drifts away, bring us back. When we struggle, strengthen us. And when the world rises up and our, takes our eyes off of you, call us back, Lord. Help us to find peace. We pray these things in your son's holy and precious name. Amen.